Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, Transformation Church. Let's put our hands together one more time for all of those that are new, our family online. We welcome you guys. We're in the second part of our climb, the Climb series, and we're going to jump straight in today. Uh, I was reading a quote from someone who was a mountain climber. I am not a mountain climber, so I was reading their quote. Okay, so, uh, and he says this, every climb is a fight. He says, but it's not us against the mountain. It's not us against the cold. It's a fight against us. He says, if we don't make it, it's because we lost the fight against ourselves. And the reality is that the climb in our life is a fight. But here's the truth. Our mind is a battlefield of the greatest fight we will ever be in. I'm going to say that one more time. Our mind is the battlefield of the greatest fight we will ever be in. Now, the greatest fight that was ever fought on our behalf was already won by Jesus, all right? So there's a war over your life, and Jesus won it. Come on, somebody. How many guys are glad for that? So, so Jesus has already won the battle for us. So now the battlefield is in our mind, but the battlefield that is in our mind is over ourselves, not over victory. And so the temptation, the thing that we have to find is this reality. Our greatest fight isn't for victory. Say victory. One more time, because I don't believe you. All right, so say victory. If you're at home, look at your dog and say victory, right? All right, so the greatest battle isn't for victory. The greatest battle is to walk in victory. Because Jesus has already obtained it. Because the battle is already won. Because all of those things are true. The greatest fight isn't for victory. The greatest fight is to walk in victory. Hear me, the question is not, can I beat this? Whatever you come in contact with, your anxiety, your depression, your fear, your pain, your struggle, your chaos. The the reality is, the question isn't, can I beat this? That's not the question. What the question is, is will I choose to win this? Because those are not the same. So, the war in your mind is not yours to win. The war in your mind is actually yours to not lose. What I mean by that is this. I remember looking at an interview one time. How many of you guys remember the dream team, right? The, the original dream team. All right, not this whole thing right now, but like the Olympic dream team. Oh, none of you, none of one remembers the dream. Y'all remember Larry Bird, right? Y'all remember Michael Jordan? Y'all remember, okay, like the dream team. How many of y'all remember when we didn't have to know if we were going to win gold or not? Okay, all right, so we're on the same page. I remember watching an interview with Mike Krzyzewski, who was one of the assistant coaches, and he was, he was talking to Charles Barkley one day. And he said this, he said, Charles, if we'll show up the way we show up, the question isn't whether or not any of them are good enough to beat us. The question is whether or not we lose against ourselves. They don't have it in them to be better than us. So if we lose, it's because we lost. It's not because they won. And hear me today. If you lose the battle in your mind, if you lose what you're going for, if you lose any of this, if, if the thoughts in your mind hold you captive, if, if everything that's going on up here distorts you, if it stalemates you, if it holds you down, if you lose the battle in the mind, it's because you chose to let yourself lose. It's not because what's against you is better than you. 
And so what we have to do if we're going to master our own mind is we have to realize that the victory already exists. So we just have to make sure we don't voluntarily lose. Only problem is that can be hard. Am I right? How many guys know sometimes it's hard to beat this? So Mike Krzyzewski told this to Charles Barkley. He said, just don't mess it up. Can I tell you something right now? The victory is already yours. Just don't mess it up. In other words, don't lose what's already been given to you. Now, that is so easy to say, but how many guys know it's hard to live? And so Philippians 4 says it like this. It says in Philippians 4, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, say true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy, just think about those things. So essentially, this is what he's saying. Are you ready? Because how many guys know, oh, yeah, that sounds like, that sounds simple, right? I didn't say easy, simple. That's a, think about the good things, don't think about the bad things. That sounds easy enough, right? Essentially, this is what he's saying. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's not true, just don't think about it. Anybody have somebody lie against you, accuse you of something you didn't do? He's saying, if something's not true and someone says something about it, just don't even worry about it. How many of y'all know that's hard? Because I got something to say. Oh, you're going to say, oh, yeah? Okay. Whatever is noble. So whatever is not noble, just don't worry about it. Whatever is not right. How many of you guys know that people around you do stupid things often? Anybody ever get irritated by it? Okay, good. Some of us are on the same page. Whatever's not right, don't worry about it. Anybody like me, when it's not right, it's my job to fix it. Let me tell you, one of the biggest reasons some of you are losing the war in your mind is because you're worried about things that are none of your business. You're trying to fix people that don't want to be fixed and wonder why you're full of anxiety. Let them go. Get you taken care of, then maybe you can worry about them. But I promise you this, when you get you taken care of, you won't be worried about them. How many know you can't fix other people that don't want to be fixed? Whatever is right, so whatever is not right, don't worry about it. Whatever is not pure, don't, don't stress. Whatever is not lovely, don't worry about that. Whatever is not admirable. Matter of fact, anything that's not praiseworthy or excellent, just let that go. Don't even think about it. How many of y'all know it's like, oh, yeah, great advice. Thanks. Because it's easier said than done, right? The problem is, as Christians, we have a hard time mastering our own minds. Because the battle over our soul has been won. So the battle in our minds is what we're fighting against. And today I want to talk to you about mastering our own minds and how we can do that. You ready? So here's what we can do. The first thing you got to do is you got to identify the lies in your mind. You've got to identify those lies that are in your mind because they're there. Anybody ever looked at a situation and been like, I just don't know how this is going to work. Or have any been in a situation and you're like, this is not going to work. God's not going to come through the way I thought. 
There's no way this is going to come out in my life. There's no way God's going to come. There, there's no, or you look in the mirror. I'm not worth this. I'm not valuable enough for this. I, I don't think that I'm this. And people have told me that I'm not worth this. People, I, I don't have this identity. Someone told me I'm never going to be. I can never become. I'll always be. How many guys have ever looked in the mirror or metaphorically or literally and believed the lie that what somebody spoke over you before has to absolutely be true? You see, the reality is mastering our own minds starts with identifying the lies in our minds. I don't know if you've ever been to a circus, but uh, the elephants in the circus, right? So elephants are huge. I don't know how much they weigh or how big they are. I'm not an elephantologist, okay? But, but elephants at the circus, if you've ever seen them, whenever they're not being used in the circus, they take them outside and they tie these elephants that are 15 feet tall and weigh however many tons They tie them to a stake in the ground this tall with a rope as big around as my thumb. Now, call me crazy, but I am convinced that if that elephant wanted bad enough, he could get out of that situation. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He'll take that down in all six tenths if he wanted to. So why is it that the elephant is allowing a stake this small with a rope this big around to hold him down. Well, here's the reason why. Because when he was a baby elephant, they put the stake in the ground and tied him to the rope. And as the elephant grew, it continued to believe that the thing that held him down as a child would hold him down as an adult. What was true when he was powerless still remains true in his mind when he's powerful. The greatest tragedy in Christians today is they still believe what was spoken over them at 10 years old when they're 40. They have not declared that what I see there may have held me down when I was powerless, but God has done something in my life and I'm no longer powerless, but because of God, I am powerful. And so now what used to hold me down is no longer going to hold me down because I've got something to say about my future and things are going to change because God has declared in me that things are going to change. What was, was, but what is, is about to be different. And if we're ever going to master our minds, the first thing we have to do is identify that ain't true. That is not true. John 10.10 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I want you to think about it just for a second. The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. His job is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. His mission against you is what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus answers that and he says, but I. So that's his job, but I have a job too. I came that you would have life and have it to the full. So so to be clear, Jesus is saying the enemy has a job. He has a role. He's got something he's trying to execute, and that's that he could steal, kill, and destroy. But I have a mission too, and that's that you would have life and have it to the full. And here's what we have to do when we're identifying the lies in the mind. Are you ready? We got to start identifying where they're coming from because the reality is every thought in your mind is either accomplishing God's will for you or the enemy's will for you. It's either declaring life or it's declaring destruction and death. 
It's either telling you that you can because God says you can, or it's telling you you can't because the enemy says you can't. It's either telling you that you are because God says you are, or it's telling you you're not because the enemy says you're not. Every thought that enters your mind that is declaring things over you, it's either, it's one of two things, John 10 says. It's either death and destruction or life and abundance. And the reality is we have been trained like the elephant to fall prey to destruction. Not because it is our outcome, but because we let it become our outcome. So it's up to us to change that. Levi Lusco says this in his book, I Declare War. He says, you cannot defeat what you cannot define. And many of us don't like what we hear, but we're not defining that it's not true and that it's a lie. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. If you don't know your enemy, if you don't know who you're playing against, you cannot beat them. Anybody, any athletes in the room? Anybody ever played sports before? Did you pick teams? Did y'all just figure it out on the field? Just passing the ball to people. Why you? Did you figure out where the, did you determine where the touchdown line was? Come on, street football players. It's that trash can, right? And that mailbox, Right? We, we, cre- we created clearly defined, why? Because you got to know who you're playing against and where you win. And for too many of us, we haven't established those things, but we want to know why we keep losing. We're losing because we're not identifying the real problem and the real lie, which brings us to our second thing, is you got to identify your enemy and how he fights. You got to identify your enemy and how he fights. How many of you got somebody at work that gets on your nerves? In Jesus' name. How many got a boss that you're like, boy, this one? Some of y'all, how many got kids? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Don't look at them. Okay, so, right? So, uh, how many of y'all know we got people that get on? Listen, I live, by, I live by this statement in my life. It's three words, um, and it's helped me through a lot. I want to give it to you guys for free, okay? You ready? Even online, I want you to pay attention to this because I think it will help you. People are stupid. You're welcome. Come back next week. We'll see you guys. No, right, so. Win the war in your mind. People are stupid. No, I'm just kidding. So. But here's the reality. Here's the reality, right? How many times do we come into situations? I'll come in situations all the time and something's happening. I'm like, that makes sense because people are stupid. People bring stuff to me, you won't believe what happened. And then they'll tell me this whole thing. And I'm like, I totally believe that because people are stupid. Now, you can feel however you want to feel about your pastor saying that. But I got peace. (laughs) I am not bothered by most things. You want to know why? Because when dumb things happen, I'm like, that makes sense because people are stupid. Right? But here's the reality. We all know, we can all think of five people right now that came to mind when I said that. (laughs) So don't judge me because I said it out loud. (laughs) But here's the reality, right? We all have people around us that can rub us the wrong way. They get on our nerves. Some of us have the same last name, whatever. Like, so, like, we can all sit in that space. But I want to help you with something today because I believe there are some of you that are misconstruing this situation. Listen to me. The enemy isn't your boss, it's not your spouse, it's not your coworker, it's not the people you go to school with, and it's not stupid people. 
the enemy is real, and he's from hell. The enemy is real, and he fights in the spiritual realm, not just in the earthly one. And I want to encourage you with this for just a second, because some of you have allowed your boss, your spouse, your ex-spouse, whatever, to become the enemy of your life. And they're not the enemy of your life. They're a victim of the enemy of your life. They are not the problem. The real enemy is the problem, and they're just the tool he's using to get to you. And you need to release them from being your enemy and realize that they're just a victim of your enemy. They're not the problem. And as long as you're fighting against them, you're not fighting against the real enemy behind them. And so we have to realize who the real enemy is and how he fights. I had a friend not too long ago who was very close to me, close to our friend circles here. And through a series of events, uh, they decided to leave. And when they left, they made it their mission to try to destroy me. And so they had a lot of bad things to say about me and whatever, whatever. And A, let me just go, this is free advice, right? If your character can't stand up to accusations, that's your fault, not theirs. So, so as they went on a tangent and God spoke to me because I was getting frustrated, you know, because it's like, I didn't even do anything. You ever been like, I'm just over here eating Frosted Flakes. I don't know what the problem is. I'm just... I'm over here with Captain Crunch or Cinnamon Toast Crunch because that's the best cereal. Anyone, irrelevant. So I'm over here chilling. Why, why are you attacking me? Anybody ever felt like you were getting attacked for no reason? Like, what did I do, right? I'm sitting over here like, I'm just, I'm, I'm over here eating cheesecake. Okay, leave me alone. And the attacks started coming. And to be honest with you, I got really frustrated. If you know me, and people are stupid, but like, don't come at me sideways. And God spoke to my heart and he said, they're not the enemy they're the artillery of your enemy. They're the ones being fired at you, but the real enemy is the one sending them. So fight against the real enemy, not them. And it gave me great peace to release them and start fighting against the real enemy. But hear me, I don't want you to grab a hold of this because some of you aren't winning the war in your mind. You're not mastering your minds because you're fighting against the artillery, not the one that's sending it. And you need to pay attention to that. Who you think is your enemy. If your enemy in life right now is made out of flesh and blood, that's not your enemy. And you've been fooled. Change it and realize where it's coming from. Ephesians 6.12 makes this perfectly clear. For our struggle is not, say not, against flesh and blood. It's not against people. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where it's coming from. That's the real fight. And so we have to realize where the real fight is at, and we have to start fighting against that enemy in a real way. How many of y'all grew up watching wrestling? Anybody grew up watching wrestling? Y'all remember WCW? Come on. All right. Listen, 80 y'all remember this. <laughs> These kids in here are like, there was a CW? I don't even know. What was that? I remember watching wrestling with my dad when I was a kid. I remember why. I'm talking like Hulk Hogan, Sting. Come on. So y'all know what I'm talking I'm talking about Sting with the yellow and red, not with the black and white. Y'all ain't ready for that. Okay. So I remember watching wrestling and like when you kind of still thought it was real, kind of. And I was watching one time and, and Sting was fighting. He was fighting for the belt. So I was like, oh, come on. You know what I mean? It's my, it's my guy. Had on my Sting t-shirt. Got a Kmart. Kids, Kmart is a store that used to exist. And they had, I'm just kidding. And so I was, I, was, uh, I was sitting there watching it. But here's the problem. Sting was losing. He was getting beat up. And I was like, yo, this, this, can't, this can't happen. This is his moment. 
I've been waiting for this for two whole weeks. And so he was getting beat up. And then all of a sudden, the music started playing. Y'all knew what was going to happen. Somebody's going to run out that tunnel. I don't know who it is. I don't know why they're running out. And so I don't even remember who it was. Comes running out the tunnel, right, with a chair in his hand. I was like, oh, y'all know. So he comes running out, chair in hand. Somebody else is with him. And so he goes, and his, the guy that was with him goes and grabs the referee's foot. And the ref turns around right in time for old dude with the chair to come sliding in the ring, lays the dude out with the chair, and then runs out of the ring just in time for the ref to turn around and be like, I don't know what happened, right? And then like, so <laughs> Sting hops on top of him, pins him, one, two, three. I came off the couch, yeah! Sting! It was great. Still remember that. Here's the problem. Many of you are only losing the fight because you keep fighting fair. You keep trying to go head-to-head against an opponent that is obviously more powerful than you. You keep trying to go head-to-head against someone that knows your weaknesses better than you do and knows how to stop your strengths better than you do. You keep trying to go head-to-head against the devil who is the prince of the air, the principalities of darkness. You keep trying to go head to head and you are trying to fight fair in a war you cannot win. But who said you got to fight fair? You got God on your side and you're trying to struggle through this victory. You have God on your side and you're trying to just win this war in your own efforts and strength. Like You have the creator of the universe on your side and you're just trying to make sure you can get through tomorrow without cussing somebody out. Like you have God on your side and you're trying to do this on your own. And hear me, you don't have it in you to win this fight on your own. You don't have the strength. You don't have the courage. You don't have the spiritual maturity. You don't have what it takes to fight this fight on your own. You need to tag somebody in, and his name is Jesus, to let him renew your mind, change your thoughts, realize what the power that is in you is, that the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave, also resides inside of you, that you don't have to be a victim anymore. You can claim victory, declare the truth, maintain the thoughts in your mind, and realize that the only way you lose this battle is if you choose to lose it because there's no way they can win it without you letting it go. That is our reality. So we got to identify the enemy and how he fights because the reality is he only wins if we don't let God be part of this. So we got to bring God into this fight when it comes to the war in our mind. Next thing you got to do is then you got to say yes to the fight. Yeah, you're identifying the enemy and how we fight. But then you got to say yes to the fight. Turn to your neighbor and say yes. Come on, they don't believe you, neither do I. Say yes. Okay, that was better. You're at home eating Captain Crunch. Say yes. Very good. I'm glad you did that. Here's what Craig Rochelle says. You cannot change what you do not confront. You cannot change what you do not confront. And many of you are just hoping this goes away. I'm I'm banking on this anxiety just kind of playing out. We laugh, but we are doing nothing to change our situation. 
We are doing nothing to master our own thoughts. We are doing nothing to handle our anger issue. We are doing nothing to battle against our temper. We are doing nothing to challenge our fear. We are doing nothing to get rid of our depression. We are doing nothing to challenge our anxiety. We're just hoping it all goes away. And I'm telling you right now, you will not change what you do not confront. Craig Rochelle says this in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind, which Levi Lusko's I Declare War and Craig Rochelle's Winning the War in Your Mind, both of those books are in our culture shop if you want to buy one today. Uh, you can get one. We don't do like huge markups. We just want to make them available to you. Craig Rochelle says this. It's a paragraph in his book. He says, our lives are not what we want. We numb ourselves to reality. We long for more but settle for less. We keep ourselves too busy and distracted. We buy things, attempting to impress people and fill some mysterious inner endless void. We scroll mindlessly on social media, feeling left out, left behind, and unimportant as we compare our dull lives with everyone else's highlight reel. We do our best to pretend we are happy while a war rages around us. And as a result, we are losing battle after battle. And I believe that's true. Philippians 4, going back to that, but verses 6 and 7. So the two verses before the ones we showed you, he says this. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Ah, thanks, Paul. But here's what he says. But in every situation, say every. Say situation. Say every situation. In every situation, sit still and hope for the best. Is that what it says? Then why is that what we're doing? But in every situation, what? With prayer and petition. With what? Grumbling. No, that's not what it says. Being mad at God because he didn't give you what you wanted when you wanted it. Is that what he says? No, that's not what he says. With thanksgiving. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Present your request to God. You want to know why that's so important? Because when you're praying about what you need and you're thankful for what you've got, you're not focused on what you don't have. And many of us are letting our mind get so focused on what we wish we had, we're not thankful for what we do have and we're not praying about what we need. And, it, and, and what they're showing there is if, if prayer and petition and thanksgiving could partner together, we could change the way we think. But we could keep going and it says, and the peace of God. Now, if you have a pen or whatever or whatever you're using, I want you to just put the word then after and. Because and means that there's a new statement that's connected to the old one. And then the peace of God that many of us need. The peace of God that we're longing for. The peace of God that helps with our anxiety, our fear, our depression, our anger, our bitterness, our unforgiveness. And then the peace of God, the thing that we really need. What does it do? It, that transcends all of our understanding. How many guys need the peace that doesn't make sense? You can just look at me like, man, people are stupid. Right? Like, like, so the peace that transcends our understanding, the peace that doesn't even make sense, that we have it, it gets to guard our hearts and our what? Minds in Christ. But hear me. See, I love, people read Philippians 4, 7, but they forget 6. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. But they forget that the and means it's connected to what came before. The prayer, petition, and thanksgiving gets us connected to the God who gives us the peace that guards the hearts and minds. 
And so we have to be connected to him. Hear me, winning against your anxiety, winning against your depression, winning against your fear, winning against your pain, winning against your climb in life is not passive. It's active. You don't wait to win it. You go and win it. You pursue it. Because how many of you guys know it doesn't often just come around and slap you in the face with great joy? you got to wake up and choose this. Am I right? Which brings me to my last point. Don't defer the lies. Destroy them. Don't defer the lies in your mind. Destroy them. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you're like, I'm not dealing with this right now? Anything. Doesn't matter what it is. Right? Dishes. In Jesus' name. <laughs> I am convinced that God will never let me win the lottery. I will use a dish and throw it away. <laughs> Same with laundry. I will wear clothes and give it away. Maybe he could hook me up with that. Anyway, so irrelevant. So, like, I don't like doing it. I'll deal with this later. Come home from a long day. How many of you ever went grocery shopping and then came home and ordered a pizza? Because you're tired from grocery shopping. Anybody? Okay, I'm not the only one. Perfect. You're like, whew, that took a lot out of me. Let's order some food. <laughs> right? What are you essentially saying? I don't feel like dealing with this. Right? I just dealt with all them stupid people at Walmart. Y'all go leave here and remember one thing. It's terrible. <laughs> Harry, you can do that in a lot of places in your life, but you can't do it with the thoughts in your mind. You have to deal with them. Don't defer. Don't put it off. Don't hope that it goes away. Destroy it. Anything that stands against what God says is a lie, and it has to go. It has to. You cannot let it stand there. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not with the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, demolish them, not wait for them to get easier, not defer the lie that tells you you're not enough, demolish it because God says you are. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and here's the last part, and we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought, we make it obedient to Christ. But how many guys know sometimes we need help with that? I said, how many of y'all know sometimes we need help with that? Anybody ever needed someone to come along and be like, hey, brother, you got this? You're like, oh, thank God. Ladies, you ever need a girl to come by and be like, girl, you got this? And you're like, girl, I don't know. Because sometimes we need people, don't we? Come on, act like y'all know what I'm talking about. And so that's why groups are so important for us. And we have a story, actually, of one of our guys that led a group. We want to show it to you because we're getting ready to launch new groups. And some of you, you need to lead a group. And so we want to show you our video of one of our guys that launched a group here recently. Go ahead and roll it, guys. Fred Gilliard, but people call me Jay. I'm from New Jersey. 
That's where my family's from, but military brat been all over the world. I didn't grow up in church, didn't believe in Jesus. The only thing I knew about Jesus was the man that was hanging on people's necks on that chain. Um, parents, they grew up in church, but then we never opened the word in the house or nothing like that. So ran from God for a long time, put myself into a lot of uh, bad positions with drugs, alcohol, going to jail, um, self-cutting, all this demonic stuff that was over my life because I was avoiding him and it was different for me. I didn't wait for the pastor at the end to raise your hand. I didn't wait for all that. When God touched my heart, it was just an instant moment. I ran to the man that was mentoring me and asked him, hey, I need this. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's the difference, but something is pulling on me, telling me that I need this or I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna be here much longer. When it came to me starting my TC group, it was just a bunch of hesitation in the beginning. I was uh, doubting myself. I knew I wasn't in the Word, praying like I should be, and am I at a place that I can even let God use me right now in my walk? What I was trying to postpone was really hurting me and people that God wants to put in my life that I can be a mentor to, that I can be a help to, that they can be a help to me and a mentor to me also. My initial view of it was, was anybody gonna show up? Nobody really knows me. I don't make myself like known or you know introduce myself to a lot of people. And so I wasn't even sure if anybody was gonna show up, but if I had one, I said, that's gonna be a start. That's gonna be comfortable for me. And we actually had maybe three or four. So it's a men's group. It's a lot of accountability that happens because I thought I was gonna be helping mentor and helping be there for people. But actually I was the one that's being more mentored and counseled because God knew where I, what I needed in that moment too. So just a place that if you just wanna come and be loved on man and just be vulnerable and be open and not be judged, that's the place. The relationships that I've formed through the groups have been um, accountability. I've never had that, so it's been easy to manipulate and do things in life that I wasn't held to a standard for. I'll say a pivotal moment in our group that um, I got to be a blessing to be involved with was seeing one of the brothers out and having a hard day, having just a rough time, and God put us in a place where we were together at the time that he really needed someone to be there without a phone call, without a text message, without something like that. And with us being together and already having that relationship, we could share with each other and talk to each other and feel that I'm okay to share what I'm going through, not just the simple, I'm doing okay, I'm all right. Even though you got that face, you got that look, the Holy Spirit's giving you that discernment that something's not right. But unless you share it with me, I can't make you tell me. But because we had a relationship prior, it opened up a conversation for healing. It was rewarding for all of us because there was a lot of healing, I believe, that happened in that group and uh, we got to celebrate at the end at the ax throwing place. So it was just a big celebration at the end. It was awesome, it was good. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another, right? Pray for one another so you can be healed. Healing happens in and through relationships with people. And so, Man, I want to encourage you guys. Some of you, you need to start a group. Some of you are like, I don't know if I'm there, but I definitely need to join one. That'll start in September. Get involved, man, with the relationships that can help change the trajectory of your life. Because we need it. We all need it. Myself, and I'm in three. And I figured out how to say people are stupid. So you might really need one. Uh. I said this in my notes. I think they have it on the screen. But some of you, you need to realize this truth, okay? If you only ever do what you've done, you'll only ever get what you've got. 
if you only ever do what you've done, you'll only ever get what you've got. If you don't make a change, there won't be one. So you can keep like wishing things got better or you can make it a point to get proactive about making sure things get better. Because the victory is already here. It's just on our part to get it. Matter of fact, it's on our part just not to lose it. Problem is, if we're all honest, in many cases, we've all been losing it. And so we have to change that, right? So how do we do it? How do we do that? Well, I want to give you some points real quick. Steps towards mastering our minds. You can write these down. I believe they'll help some of you. If you use them, they'll help. I promise. They've helped me. And uh, people that are smarter than me wrote them. So hopefully this works for you. Okay, so steps towards mastering your minds. Number one, take a thought inventory. Take a thought inventory. What are the things you believe and why do you believe them? Right? But here's the deal. I want you to write them down. You would be shocked at what you believe. You'd be shocked at what you hear if you took one day and wrote down every thought you can. Every thought. Good, bad. Here's the deal. Don't just write the good stuff. Write it all. You'd be shocked at what you tell yourself every day and what you believe. So take a thought inventory and write down every single one of your thoughts. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't like myself. I'll never be able to blank. I'll never get that career. I'll never get that job. I'll never make real money. I'll always be poor. My grandma was poor. My mom was poor. I'll be poor. Whatever. If it's a, it, whatever the thought is, write it down. Write all of them down. All right. And then the next thing I want you to do, here's the deal. I want you to identify the source. I want you to use John 10, 10, and I want you to identify where that thought's coming from. Is this giving me life or is this trying to destroy me? And if it's not giving you life, you know where it came from. And so we have to destroy it. If it's not giving you life, you know it's not true. Because Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it to the full, right? So take a thought inventory. The second thing you gotta do, stop the cycle. Stop the cycle. If you only ever do what you've done, you'll only ever get what you've got. So you've got to stop the cycle that you're sitting in right now because that it reinforces the lie. So then you got to identify the lies. So we identify the source, but then we got to identify the lies, right? And hear me, I want you to grab a hold of this, man. You've got to identify where you don't believe about you what God says about you where you look in the mirror and you are telling yourself what someone told you 10 years ago and you've believed it. You have bought wholeheartedly into it as truth and it's not. That you are not enough. That there's no way God has a purpose for you. That there's no way he intends to fulfill his plan. That it's too late. That you've gone too far. That you've done too much. That you've created too many problems. That you've made too many bad decisions. There's no way someone could love you because you've already had kids with someone else and that person's a whatever. There's no way that God could possibly do this in your life because of the things that you did five years ago. Hear me, you have to identify them as lies because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And where God declares that there is a new possibility, all things are passed away and all things have become new. There is nothing that has to hold you down anymore, but God can give you complete freedom through the power of Jesus. You gotta identify those 
lies. Say, it's not true. But then you got to replace it with truth. No, God says this. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. He will lead me because he said he will never leave me nor forsake me. He, he will walk with me. He has me. And then number three, create a new destination. Create a new destination. Your thoughts, your, your brain has natural pathways for your thoughts. And your thoughts use the pathways of least resistance to get to common destinations. That's why it's so easy for you to believe the thing you've always believed. So you have to create new destinations for your thoughts to land. Now this is, this ain't, it don't say this in no book, chapter, or verse. I'm giving you some psychology stuff right now. Your thoughts will naturally go to the place they've always gone. So you have to be intentional about changing where they land. So you have to create a new destination for where that thought. I don't feel like I'm enough, but the new destination is God says I'm enough because he has declared it, that I am good enough. I'm not worth anything, but Jesus paid the ultimate price for me. Therefore, I know what my value is and my value and my worth come from what he paid for me. No one could ever want me but the new destination is Jesus wants me. And if Jesus wants me, he can put anybody in my life that needs to be there. We change our destination. So here's how do we do that quickly, because I'm over on time. We create a plan. You create a plan, right? Next time I feel this, I'm gonna do that. Next time I feel this, I'm gonna do that. Create a plan and lastly, declare it repeatedly. When you feel like you said it enough, say it 10 more times. Say it till your dog believes it. Dog is looking at you. Like, no, no, I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. Who God says I am who God says I am. Yell so loud the neighbors are mad. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like just declare it repeatedly, which brings me to what we're gonna talk about next week. Cause this, today we talked about our minds. Next week, we're gonna talk about our words because your words change your trajectory because your words impact your thoughts. And next week, we're gonna look at how we win this war and the climb using our words in Jesus' name. Can we give Jesus praise one time in this house today? Awesome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've already won the victory. Now it's on us to walk in it. So God, I pray that we would master our own minds. We would win the battle over our thoughts. And you would help us with that. We are who you say we are. We have the power that you have given us. And I pray that we would walk in it. In Jesus' name. For everyone that's here today, quickly, you need Jesus in your life. It's hard to let God get on your team because you are far from him. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins so you could be close to God. And today, if you need forgiveness and a new journey, with Jesus. Today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, one time, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that.